American Redoubt Radio Operators Network and is a nationwide disaster preparedness network made up of patient-oriented radio operators. So, Amron phonetically, Alpha, Mike, Romeo, Romeo, Oscar, November. This is a directed net, so please hold any traffic until that control station calls for it. Any emergency traffic may break in at any time. Whether you're seasoned or new, this is the place for patriots, preppers, and partisans who understand the necessity of being able to receive and share information with others. When conventional communications are disrupted or compromised, grid up or grid down, this is Partisan Radio. Welcome to Volume 21. I hope you had a great week and I hope you've been working to get your comms up. There are several things we want to discuss in this volume and Morse code is on the docket. We're going to introduce you to the world of Morse code. Don't be afraid of CW. And why do I use the two different terms, CW and Morse code? I thought they were the same thing. Well, they are and they aren't. And we'll talk about that here in just a little bit. I want to pass on an encouraging report that I received For our New York Amron operators and patriots, someone sent this to me saying, I tuned in to 7110 for the New York Digital Amron net at 2000 Eastern. Those guys have it going. I was quite impressed with the signals from all into the Kansas City metro area. I am attaching the spot report HTML portion that they sent. Perfect copy to me. I was, I was able to relay from one New York station to net control, and this is where copy-paste using digital serves well. His text, as I copied it, was easily relayed into net control. Congratulate your team in New York, as they did very well. And that's from uh, Tango02. So good job, guys. Congratulations. And many of you are making great strides in communications raising your confidence levels and becoming more familiar with your equipment and training others. And that's exciting. This month, well, for the month of August, the net reports are out with a total of 701 check-ins. 76% of those were ham, licensed hams, and 24% of those were in the unlicensed bands uh, in the CH3 project. Of the totals, we have 313 of those check-ins were 2 meters, 5 were 6 meter in the 6 meter band, 1 was 70 centimeter, 64 FRS, 11 MERS, 3 GMRS, and 23 of those CB. And those are just the local nets. That's our local 2 meter CH3 that's not even counting HF. If you remember, you can go and click on the details of that net control or that net report. You can break those down even further and look at more details and look at how your net compared to others in adjacent uh, communities and states. Someone sent a comment in saying, I wish there were nets in Central Florida. Well, my response was, start one. If there's not a net in your area, start one. The nets don't magically appear all on their own. They begin with one radio operator saying, I wish there was a net here. 
You can go to amron.com, go to the scheduled nets tab up on top, and from that drop down menu, select join or start a net to look for a net in your area or start one if there's not one already in your area. All these nets that are ran across the country are ran by folks just like you who want to practice getting their comms up. Nobody else was doing it. They took the initiative and stepped up to the task, and they're doing a great, great job. So thank you. I had mentioned last week, we are working on a foundational Amron 100 course. I was hoping to have that done by this the, the middle of this last week, but that is slightly delayed because we are, well, it's just taking time to make sure that we do it right because this is foundational. We want to make sure everything else is built off of this foundation and supports this, points back to our foundation so we stay on track as we get into more communication, radio operation procedures, net control procedures, and so on. I found a great resource this week that I've posted in uh, an article on amron.com. Actually, I posted a couple this week. One is called Radius Mapping. It's a visual tool. I was working with an operator on the air, and we were trying to determine what type of range, if you're using NVIS, for example, about a three to 400-mile radius. How do you look up a radius on a map or place a radius, a circle, on your position to determine how far could I expect to reach at 300 miles? What would that look like on a map? And there's a program just for that. You can put concentric circles, one on top of the other with various different uh, distances. So I wanted to share that with you guys. Some of the other articles that I posted have to do with several training opportunities in the form of simulated emergency tests that are taking place in various different places across the country. I've got the details uh, for October. We're talking about the month of October. And I've posted those. If you're in Idaho, Oregon, or Texas, or in any of the surrounding states, this is a great opportunity for you to practice monitoring and receiving communications and listening to emergency communications uh, training underway. If you have a similar emergency communications exercise going on in your state or your region, let us know. Send in the website that we can refer folks to that would contain the dates, locations, frequencies, modes, and any other helpful information so that our Amron operators can tune in and practice. Even if you don't transmit, just practicing copying information is great because a lot of these are Aries, Races, Mars, and other organizations that will be the hubs for information in response to a disaster. Yesterday, I also posted a great resource that somebody sent to me. It's called textfiles.com, ham radio frequencies, but it's a little misleading. It's not actually just ham radio frequencies. It's shortwave and scanner frequencies, including ham radio. And each of those are broken down into categories that when you click on, they open up into a file that you can copy in text, you can copy and paste into a text file or a Word document and compile those to have in your own uh, communications intelligence binder so you have an easy reference for uh, looking up frequencies. Now let's talk about this week's main topic. 
Let's talk about CW. What is CW? Well, that stands for continuous wave. Uh, this is something that's very unfamiliar to many of you because we have many new ham operators who got your licenses well after the AR or the FCC dropped the requirement for uh, Morse code to be able to get your license. So we have an increasing number of ham operators coming online that are not familiar with CW. They're afraid of CW and run the other way when they hear the term CW. But there are many benefits for having your hands on this and mastering this, or at least grasping a, a working understanding of this dying art and skill. Now, first of all, what is CW and what is Morse code? Okay, CW stands for continuous wave or continuous wave form. It's an electromagnetic wave that doesn't deviate. It, it's a constant amplitude and maintains the same constant frequency. Think of it like this, a heart rate monitor that is not connected or is flatlined is just a continuous wave. There's no spikes, there's no valleys, there's no up and down or like a, uh, a voice monitor. When you're recording, you can see your voice and the fluctuations going up and down. You can see the, the width, the bandwidth of whatever's being modulated or the sound that's going out across that. When that's not present, you just have a straight flat line. That's what CW is. It's a continuous wave. There's no modulation to it. And it sounds something like this if you just held the key down and didn't tap it at all. So that's a continuous wave. Now, there was a gentleman by the name of Samuel Morse back in the early 1800s, the mid 1800s, who was working with some guys and they discovered this, that it could probably be used for communicating. So he sat down and he worked up an alphabet. And that's why we call it Morse code, uh, so that you can actually send characters, which consists of a series of dots and dashes, also known as dits and daws. A daw is three times the length of a dit. So the letter B is da did it it. So it would go da did it it and sound like this. So it's one daw and three dits, or one dash and three dots. Now you know the letter B. So the question might be, look, this is not the 1800s. Why should I have to learn CW? What are the benefits of it? I mean, we've moved on. Technology has moved on. We have voice. We have digital. Why should I use CW? Well, there's several reasons for that. And those are articulated very well over at many different websites that uh, support continuous wave or Morse code. But I found one over at rsgb.org. I'll post this for you. Morse code gets through when many other in the band conditions are such that you can't get through on voice or digital because of poor band conditions. Like we might be experiencing this week with the high solar flare activity like we just experienced uh, today. Uh, it will most likely affect the band conditions and make it very difficult to get through with voice, 
most likely we'll have to use digital and sometimes even digital gets washed out. And in those cases, it's very common that CW gets through. It gets through when single sideband fails miserably. And this isn't just the diehard CW continuous wave fans that are speaking. It's a well-known demonstrable fact. Another reason, it's very common for stations to communicate with each other hundreds and even thousands of miles away from each other on 10 watts, 5 watts, 2 watts, and even on 1 watt, although 1 watt is pushing it. A CW signal can have more than 10 to 20 dB advantage over a, a single sideband signal, depending on which book you read. A single sideband signal will usually occupy about 2.5 kilohertz an FM signal will take up about 10 kilohertz, but a CW signal can take place in a bandwidth of about 300 hertz, much, much smaller. As you are only listening to a single tone in a narrow bandwidth, it's a lot easier to filter out QRM, that's interference from other stations, and electrical interference. This is vitally important in urban areas and where with compromised antennas, which are more prone to picking up noise from nearby electrical wiring, or domestic TV sets, power line transmissions, and a host of other pieces of equipment. Most de-expeditions, that's long-range communicating, de-expeditions put a lot of emphasis on CW as an operating mode, and while it may be possible to work them on your single sideband, you may find Morse code easier. So, what are the other reasons you could have for learning CW? Repeaters identify themselves with Morse code. If you learn it, you'll be able to find out what you're listening to and what CTCSS, that's the Continuous Tone Coded Squelch System, the PL tones, you need to access them. Beacons also use Morse code to identify themselves. You can find out what countries you're listening on, like on 10 or 20 meter bands. Simple CW transmitters can make, be made quite easily. Uh, CW is more efficient than single sideband AM or FM, so you can often get away with way less effective antennas or much lower power levels to make your contacts. This means you're less likely to cause interference and you can still work long distance DX with stealthy antennas. Even though your foundation license limits you to 10 watts in some countries, you can still make plenty of DX contacts with very little power called QRP. That means low power. It's a Q code for low power. It involves no accent or pronunciation problems and is a widely understood international language. I made a QSO a couple of weeks ago with a station in Italy on 20 meters and it was the most difficult part of that was getting through his accent. Very difficult to understand. CW is an international language. It's always done in English and never has an accent. And plus, it's fun and easy to use CW. Finally, for our partisans out there, CW transmitters can be made out of a variety of, of electronic components. It's one of the easiest things that you can build in an emergency is a CW or Morse code transmitter. And uh, you can send signals simply by touching two wires together to make that continuous wave tone. Now, how to get started, how to learn Morse code. It's easier than you might think. 
I've seen 10-year-old children, and I've seen uh, adults well into their seasoned years learning Morse code. It's actually much easier for children to learn another language, and CW is like learning another language. Start them young, but you know what? If you're not young, start anyway. The sooner you start, the better off you'll be. There are several resources that I personally use and refer to. Uh, back to and refer others to that I've seen very effective. One is an online program called the scphillips.com Morse code trainer. I spell Sierra Charlie, S-C, Sierra Charlie, Phillips with two L's. That's Papa Hotel India Lima Lima India Papa Sierra.com scphillips.com Morse code trainer. Uh, it is free, free to use. And this has been one of the most amazing tools to progress you through your journey and you can completely customize it uh, to, and it tracks your progress. Uh, this will, this is a great program for fast tracking you. It's available on the internet. Uh, I've sent him uh, donations because uh, what an amazing program that he makes available for free for folks. And uh, just, uh, I don't know, about a week and a half ago, I sent him $15 and said, thanks for, for putting this together and maintaining it. Uh, the guy's over in, I think, England. Now, there's another Morse code trainer that I personally use and have and refer to others. And that is downloadable to put on your PC. It's called the G4FON.net CW trainer. We'll put the link up there in volume 21 for you to uh, go to this and download that yourself. That's golf for foxtrot oscar november.net Morse code trainer. This is customizable with a number of different features. And let's just talk about that right now. The G4FON net uh, Morse code trainer teaches you on the Koch method. Uh, this is a German psychologist who developed a method for learning Morse code. What this essentially allows you to do is slow down the space between characters and or slow down the spacing between the words themselves. One of the most difficult things with learning CW is your brain trying to decipher what you just heard. And by the time you figure it out, two or three more characters have already come and gone. And then you're way behind the curve and you're running to catch up. And then you get frustrated and you have a meltdown. So to help you overcome that and, and uh, go through this learning curve that you can customize on your own, Dr. Koch de designed this CW or Morse code learning tool. And now they make several programs that are available to help you. So how do we customize this? First off, it starts you with just two characters. This particular program will start you off with W, which is a dit and two da's, dit da da, and B, which is da dit dit dit. You will learn these two characters over and over for about a five minute session, which you can totally customize all of this. Let's take a listen here. I have this set at 15 words per minute. And the actual character speed is 15 words per minute. You want to try to learn at the speed that you would like to communicate at. If your goal is to communicate at 20 words per minute, then you should be practicing at 20 words per minute with the Coke method because you can slow down the effective code speed. Here's an example. This is W and B. 
feeding onto the onto your readout screen for you to read. Uh, this is set for five minutes. That's customizable as well. You can customize the number of characters so you can continuously add additional characters as you progress. This is 20 words per minute, just WB. Now, that might seem a little fast for you. So if you want to stay at 15 words or 20 words per minute, you can slow down the effective code speed, which will actually add gaps in between, uh, larger gaps in between the characters and the words. So let's listen to 20 words per minute, but let's slow it down to effective code speed of 15. Now put a larger gap. Let's go down to 10 words, effective speed. You hear the longer gap in between each character? You can slow this down to five and even two on the uh, words per minute, effective code speed. So each character is coming out at 20 words per minute at that tempo, but it's giving you a longer space in between characters. When you're learning, this is a great opportunity to let your brain catch up with what you just heard, to decipher it, write it down, and then as you're able to copy these words uh, quicker and quicker, you want to speed the effective code speed up till it eventually matches your actual character speed. 20 words per minute, that's pushing it for a lot of folks just starting out, getting new. I like to, I recommend uh, 15 words per minute starting out, which sounds like this. Now, I can type out about 15 words per minute, but copying 15 words per minute is really tough for me. So, I can slow down, I can slow down the effective speed to 9. And then I'll do this exercise for about five minutes. This is recommended that you do this for five minutes at least. Now, this is different. It's a nice, clean tone that's easy for you to learn on. This is a good learning environment, but it doesn't quite match the real-world environment that you can encounter where you've got high band, uh, band conditions are producing high noise. You can have weak signals coming in from far off. So you want to practice copying those signals. You can do that here by changing the noise level and the signal strength of the stations that you're trying to, uh, to simulate what you're trying to copy. You can also change this to simulate somebody else who's sending to you on a straight, a straight key versus a paddle. Uh, you can change several of the different settings here. Let's turn the noise level up. We've got a signal strength of S5. That's a strong signal. Let's adjust the noise level. What if we are listening and it's a noisy band conditions? Now we've got some noise levels. The noise floor is raising. Now we've got an S5 noise level. See how this is drowning out your CW? Take it up to S7. It's getting more difficult. We've got a signal strength of five. Let's turn the signal strength down to three. And S3 
and a noise level of S7. You have to really strain to be able to hear this, right? Okay, let's stop that. You get the point. So as you learn Morse code and you start to get a comfortable grip on it, you can challenge yourself by raising the noise level or lowering the signal strength to simulate a real world situation as closely as you can. Now, the best way for you to learn to copy code is to get out your shortwave radio or get your ham radio out, tune into the bands and the CW portion of the bands, refer to the, the band plans that are available on the internet, print those out so you know where the CW portions of the bands are and where the international calling frequency is on CW for each of the bands. So you can go right to there, uh, right to those frequencies, tune up or down 10 or 20 kilohertz, and you're going to find somebody tapping out code. It's a lot of fun. And then there are some other resources here as well that I want to share with you. Another one is an app because you might not have this on, you might not have access to the internet on your laptop, your computer. Uh, you might not be in front of the one that you have downloaded. So there are apps now. Now this one is also the Koch method so that you can adjust the speed and the effective speed and uh, customize many of the different settings. It will randomly select characters to send out to you so you can learn two, three, four, five characters at a time. Each time you become proficient in a five-minute uh, session, copying about 90% of uh, what, you're, what you're hearing, uh, then it's time to add another character. This app is called UZ2UUF Morse, and that is the, the FCC call sign or the call sign of the developer of this app. That's Uniform Zulu 2. Uniform, uniform, foxtrot, Morse. And he says, initially it'll be hard, but in a few sessions you'll start to understand better and better. Do not slow the playback speed or it will not work. Just enlarge the inter-character spacing. That's using that Coke method. Or better, the inter-word spacing. And of course, as you progress, you want to speed those up to match so that your effective code speed actually matches your actual character speed. Now there's some great online resources. We're gonna talk about this more. This is just an introduction. I wanna point you to just where to get started. Just put one foot in front of the other and start on your journey. Start today. So with these, uh, with these resources that I was telling you about, there's the Morse Code Resource Center for CW and Telegraphy by NW7US. Uh, there is an index of CW. You want to learn the, the short codes, the Q codes, uh, because there's a lot of shorthand used in CW because it's time-consuming to send a whole word. If you can shorten that, uh, then that's going to help your, your QSO, your two-way conversation, and save you some fatigue. And when you go on and start copying code, you're going to see and hear abbreviations that you're probably not familiar with. So you want to start getting familiarized with that. There's the Morse code operating aids and Morse code trainer and the SC Phillips Morse code trainer that I already talked about. We will post those links for you and then you can just start exploring from there. There are several ways for you to practice sending code. There are even apps, CW trainer apps that has a square that you tap on your smartphone that it is supposed to simulate 
a Morse code keyer, but it's electronic. There are actually CW trainer keyers that you can get that uh, make a, a little tone every time you tap those. But you know what? Hopefully, many of us have uh, HF rigs that have a trainer setting on there so that you can actually get a inexpensive keyer off of eBay or at a ham fest, wire that up, hook it up, plug it into your the back of your rig, put it on trainer mode so it doesn't transmit, but you can sit there practice tapping, learning the tempo. And just remember, it's easier to send than it is to receive. So if you place your emphasis on training your ear to copy CW, you'll be that much farther ahead while you're waiting on your practice training or new keyer to come in the mail. We'll be talking about more of this in the future with, uh, we'll have some fun exercises and some CW nets, a lot of discussions going on uh, related to that. So we will uh, be bringing you more in the very near future. Okay, that pretty much wraps up the CW portion. I want to move on with a couple of other things before we wrap up. Sparks31 is going galt. He is not going to be teaching the courses that he has been. Uh, he's only going to be doing that locally within the American Redoubt, mostly focused on Wyoming. Uh, however, there is a class, one of his last classes, which will be taking place in Washington State on the west side over in occupied territory. So uh, go ahead and uh, check that out. Uh, we're going to put the link up there, the Sparks 31 course in western Washington. Click on that link, and that's in November. A very interesting article came out. The internet was banned in, where is this, in India in two cities. Jammu and Kashmir will have, have to celebrate Eid ul Zua festival without internet services with the state government ordering the termination of data services from, uh, this was earlier this week, so from the 25th until, well, for a couple of days. I don't have the exact dates. The bottom line is the government chose to kill all internet uh, access in this uh, area just to make sure that they could keep the people under control. The directive by police to all service providers on the eve of Eid comes amidst the controversy over a beef ban. In the order, inspector, the inspector general of the police directed the service providers to snap all data services from 5 a.m. tomorrow until 10 p.m. Saturday. This, was, this is what came out on the 24th. Interesting, I saw this word snap. Make a note of that word. This is a new vernacular. They're using the term snap. In view of the apprehension of misuse of data services by anti-national elements, which is likely to cause deterioration in law and order situation, you are requested to completely snap down the data services through uh, GPRS, 2G, 3G, and broadband in Kashmir Valley, starting from 5 a.m. September 25th until uh, September 26th. Now, if you find yourself in a situation where you are in a large, maybe crowded area, well, first of all, try to avoid crowds. But if you happen to be in an event where government decides to intentionally hamper your ability to communicate, well, that's why we have ham radio and other communications. Uh, 
There's also an app that I want to remind you of. It's called FireChat. FireChat is a method for uh, developing a mesh network among all the users within a given range without the need for an infrastructure. Uh, these will allow your cell phone to transmit uh, several hundred feet, even up to uh, a couple of hundred yards. And for everybody who's using FireChat, you can uh, step across each other's phones, if you will, to reach folks uh, maybe on the other side of the crowd. Uh, maybe you're at the fairgrounds or you're at an, a, a large parade or an event where communications gets cut, cut off. You can still communicate sending text and chat with each other using Fire Chat. It's, a, it's an app that you can download. And finally, we've got a, listen, a listener question. With respect to the Amron operations and the Nets, he says you might want to consider the following. Uh, what he's saying is 10 meters should probably be added. And he makes the case 49% of the over 700,000 licensed hams in the U.S., 49% of them are technician class operators, with 25% of them being general class, 22% extra class. So he's making the case that well, the largest group are technician. Right now, technician class licenses can only operate in single sideband voice on the 10-meter band. It seems to me that Amron is missing a huge community of amateurs that could be motivated to acquire and install HF equipment and get active on the voice frequencies and participate in the Amron net process if there was one for the 10-meter band. Now, we've gotten several, actually, let me just uh, read my response here. Thank you for the suggestion, by the way, and we always appreciate those because you're really trying to see Amron grow and increase participation. But there is a reason why we don't incorporate 10 meters into the Amron communications plan or the SOI. Now, the 10 meter band is not banned from use by Amron. It is just not in the signals operating instructions. There are 30 meter bands that are very favorable. There are 17 meter bands. There's 70 centimeter, there's, there's 23 centimeter. There are places all over the place where we could go and where people like to operate, including the GMRS system, the licensed GMRS system. What we want to do is simplify the signals operating instructions down as far as we can and still have the flexibility to have alternatives depending on band conditions. But we cannot add every single band out there that somebody really likes and wants to have added. What we prefer to do is encourage the technicians to upgrade because the problem with folks who do go into 10 meters and operate on the HF bands, you're, you're greatly limiting yourself to who you can talk to because most of the activity on the HF bands is up there 40 meters, 80 meters, and 20 meters. The 10 meter bands can be very fickle, just like the CB or 11 meter bands. They are subject to band conditions. And if the 10 meter band is disrupted, you have nowhere else to go. So we want to strongly encourage our technicians to upgrade to full HF capabilities by acquiring their general class licenses. This will open up so many more possibilities for you. I can tell you from the numerous 
and they continuously come in. The testimonies from those who have upgraded to HF said, this is something I should have done long ago. They tell me, I don't have to tell them, you need to get HF capable uh, on all the bands. You need to get your general. I have people telling me, I need to get my general. That's on the top of my priority list. Now, across the board and across the United States, I'm sure that the technicians do make up about 45% of uh, all of the licensed hams. But uh, across Amron, I would estimate our HF-capable general class and higher ham operators in Amron uh, would probably be right about the 75% mark are HF-capable. We also see a high rate of acceleration among the Amron operators where they will go from no license at all to technician and quickly to general uh, because they understand the necessity for having HF communications uh, as opposed to only being limited to 10 meters. Now, having said that, we have nets that operate on GMRS, on 70 centimeter, on 6 meter, uh, which is another one that comes highly recommended by many folks saying we should add 6 meters to the Amron plan. We can't add all of them on there without making it so complex and convoluted that it just becomes very confusing and difficult to know where to be when uh, unless and a radio operator is just on the air all the time, which is not realistic, especially in a high-stress disaster-type emergency communications environment. But we do have folks that operate on just about every band you can imagine who agree and meet up there regularly. So if you'd like to start a 10-meter Amron net, we welcome it. If you want to do something like that amongst your group, um, I know that there are several Uh, mutual aid groups and preparedness groups that might operate between themselves on six meters and 10 meters, but then they tap into the Amron net for a wider communications network. But if that's something you'd like to do to start a 10 meter net, then we we will fully support that. As long as you're helping to support other Amron operators and uh, help the network grow, then more power to you. We're, We're behind you all the way. That pretty much wraps everything up. This was uh, kind of a lengthy one this time for volume 21 of Partisan Radio. You all have a blessed week. Get your comms up and we'll meet you on the air. This is John Jacob Schmidt, 73. As ready, trained communicators, right up to the present time, radio hams have been busy every single minute. The ever-increasing group of radio amateurs who have equipped themselves at their own expense with two-way radio sets by amateurs who saw their opportunity to render a public service and paid off for Americans in trouble.